0: Happy New Year and welcome to Episode 9 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer
1: Podcast. We're your hosts, Jeff Brownson and Derek Dye, and together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love
0: to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to
1: the right podcast. Travel and beer are what we're here to talk about. Our guest today is Mark Osterman a man who many can identify simply by hearing his laugh. I'm sure there will be plenty of laughing today as Jeff, Mark, and I get into Mark's background in the world of miles and points, a bit about the mess that is traveled today, and how Mark ended up buying both a house and a car while on vacation. Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to
0: thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything we have coming down the line.
1: One quick programming note, too. I know we told you that you can expect two episodes a month from us, but right here in month number two of the relaunch, we're going to give you an extra one. That's right. Next week, we will have Spencer Howard joining us for a special bonus January episode of Miles and Pints. Just think of it as us doing our little part to make sure 2021 Gets off to a great start. And now, let's get to the good part. Sit back. Relax. Crack open your favorite brew. And let's enjoy our chat with Mark.
0: Okay, Derek and I are here and ready to go with Mark Osterman. So, Mark, let's get right into it. How are you doing?
2: Uh, I was promised I was going to be on episode one, so I don't know what happened here. Well, the other (laughs) episodes happened before you were promised that, so... Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be with you guys. I love you both. So this is going to be fun. I got my beers lined up, ready to go.
0: Perfect. And I think you were promised that you would be the first guest on the
2: co-hosted podcast, which you actually are. So, Boom. so there you See? go. That's like a, a a participation trophy if I've ever heard one right there.
1: It took him less than a minute to complain. Who's surprised? I'm not. No one. No one is surprised at all.
0: Anyone who took has heard one. Mark on a podcast knows took that there's going be... to be...
2: took me only 10 seconds to laugh too.
1: Bam.
0: Yeah, there's there's gonna be a whole lot of laughing a little bit of complaining. And it it should be a fun episode as we go through this with Mark. Mark, I've known for I don't know, I was trying to think as I I started to do the outline for the show and figure it out. I have no idea when I met you. Was it at the baseball stadium?
2: Yeah, I think Here? it was. Was that the yeah. first time we met? Yes, when we went to the the Ratty Outdoor Mad Max Brewery. Yes, that was the first. Yeah, when we had
0: to we had to pull you off a bus and, and drag you yes. <laughs> over to a brewery across the street. So that was my first encounter with Mark. And like I, I said, that kind of not really descriptive, but we literally had to pull him off a bus. He so got on a bus going back to the, the conference area and uh, Sean th- texted had to him.
2: A- <laughs> And <laughs> had to make and, the bus driver stop in the middle of his route.
0: Yeah, the, the bus pulled away and we were like, wait, isn't Mark on that bus? And I was like, I don't know, Mark. And he was like, I think Mark's on that bus. And sure enough, the bus pulls to a stop at the corner and off comes this guy. And I was like, that was my introduction to Mark. And we promptly walked across the street and went to a brewery. So who could be better for a podcast about travel and beer? Because he was traveling and I met
2: him having a beer. And it was the most unique brewery I've ever been to by far. I mean, where else do you pee in a shipping container with no power? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a
1: lot better during daylight at that place than it is at night. You guys are really selling this brewery. I'm sure all of our listeners are ready to run right over there and buy some beer. Honestly,
0: I've been there several times. It's The brewery we're talking about is Bardo Brewing um, in D.C., And it's, it's walkable from the new Audi field, which is where DC United plays and from Nats park where the Washington nationals play. And it's a great place before, after a game to pop in and have a beer. I've never found a beer there that I'm like, wow, I really need to get lots and lots of that, but I'm always perfectly happy drinking there. So it's, I'm not quite sure where to put that. It's the beers aren't great, but they're, but they're good. And it's a cool environment and. I mean, you can pee in a shipping container, as Mark so uh, gloriously said.
2: (laughs) With the only lighting being the emergency exit light, that's battery powered. That was it for lighting. I think we kept we kept them there, like they couldn't shut down till we left, and we were like the only four people there. And the guys like, "Are you guys done yet? Can can I like leave?" Like, no, we want more beer. (laughs) Exactly. So speaking of that,
0: let's let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking today. I'll start because I asked the question, so why not answer it myself? But I've got a it's a New England IPA only rather than what I normally get in the D.C. area, which is New England style versions of New England IPAs. This one is actually from New England. My friend Becky brought it back for me earlier this summer, and it's been sitting in my fridge awaiting a special occasion to drink. Um, It's called Creatures of Magic. And
2: I I am a creature of magic.
0: So that's well,
2: thank you. Thank you for saving it for here for here. It's right from
0: the Burlington Beer Company, which I have actually... Burlington Coat Factory. <laughs> yes, only it's beer instead of coats. And it was actually in Burlington. She was in Burlington, so she picked this up for me. And it's it's quite refreshing. It's delicious. So what do you guys uh, have in the glass there as we
1: record? Jeff, I'm drinking a uh, RAR, RAR Brewing Nanocoat Nectar IPA. One of my favorite local uh, Eastern Shore beers. They're located in cambridge maryland it's a nice uh light sipper for an ipa what about you mark i i figured
2: this was a three beer type of podcast so i brought three and i'm lining them up from like least amount of alcohol volume to highest so the starting it off with atwater brewery dirty blonde which is a big one in uh detroit and in a pretty popular beer um just light like a summer beer you know it has fruit tastes and stuff like that so Good mix, only 4.5% alcohol, so it's a good starter beer. Then I'm going to move over to Norm's Raggedy Ass IPA, India Pale Ale, which is from Griffin Claw Brewery, which is my favorite uh, brewery in, in Michigan. They're pretty big in the Detroit area, have a couple um, locations as well, as they can and ship all over Metro Detroit at like all the grocery stores and everything. And then the last one is, uh, oh, that is 7.25% alcohol. The last one when I start to slur my words at the end of this podcast is a girl named Egypt from Arbor Brewing Company, Double White IPA, 9% alcohol. Um it's it's kind of based off a tragic story. I don't know if we want to get into that and get all depressed to start. So if you're interested in it, look it up um but it's a, you know, it goes towards a good cause and it's it's probably the
1: best tasting strong beer I've ever had, so The that. Uh, the Griffin Claw you mentioned, is that the uh, brewery that has all the really cool labels you're sending me pictures from?
2: Yes. Yeah. They have a ton of cool labels, um, a ton of different beers and everything like in their emblem and everything is really cool. Like I have, <laughs> I think I have like seven or eight t-shirts from them. So, and, and their food's really good. Um, there's a location in Birmingham, which is one of the higher end cities in the Metro Detroit area. And then they have another location in Rochester Hills, which is also a very nice area. So, either one you can go to, outdoor patio, awesome atmosphere, great beer. So, and good. And
0: now that you've um, explained what you're drinking, I suddenly feel vastly unprepared for this episode <laughs> <laughs> because I only brought one beer. So, it, there may be a point where we pause here a little bit later. The, the listeners will never know it, but we may pause so I can go get another beer sometime in here. There we are.
1: Mark- Knowing Mark was joining, I only have one type of beer, but I did bring multiples, assuming that uh, he, he would not let us get away with only one beer. Yeah,
2: Derek's lying. He has a little uh, fridge under his desk that he just pulls out during the day when he's, you know, writing habeas corpus or <laughs> Tried to sound smart, but it came off not sounding. It smart. It didn't work
0: out for you. I may
2: need that. I I might actually need to
0: get one of those little fridges for under my desk here in the office because I'm pretty sure that's a business expense, right? If I need to have beer yeah. for when I record the podcast and when I edit the podcast and really when I do anything related to the podcast.
2: I think <laughs> yes. So. I'm writing up all this beer. And Mark, that
1: sounded like note. judgment. It sounded like judgment to me. And this is a judgment-free zone, right?
2: <laughs> I did have one of those uh, when I was when I worked in corporate America. I had a little fridge in my office and it was stocked full of Red Bull because I was working long hours and everything. So I've always wanted to put one in uh, this office, but I also feel like it's dangerous. And then on top of that, my exercise for the day is walking from my office to the fridge. So I don't know if I want to cut that out of my routine. So you said when you were in corporate America, um,
0: we know you're not in corporate America, but the people listening, they may or may not know you explain a little bit about what it is that you do now.
2: So I am the managing editor of miles to memories, which is a miles and points uh, website. We have YouTube channel, a podcast, um, pretty much everything covered. Um, I manage the day to day stuff. Uh, We have uh, four or five regular writers. So I work with them, set the schedule, uh, write myself, as well as um, work on the podcast. and, And we do a weekly Vegas YouTube show as well. So all over the place.
0: Lots of different stuff going on. Yes,
1: probably too much. (laughs) When do you find time to drink with all that work, Mark? Oh, I drink (laughs) while I work. There you go. Exactly. You just admitted that we got it.
2: (laughs) I mean, it is on video. I'm not hiding it. So you can see it at any point. But no, um, I can't complain. It's uh, it's an amazing thing to be able to do you know, turn your hobby into a job, uh, or a career. Very few people are that lucky. And, and, uh, we are some of the lucky few in this room Well, Derek's still, you know, full steam ahead on the full-time job as well until he makes it big. But, you know, turning this into, to something more is, is pretty amazing.
0: And how long have you been working for miles to memories now? It's been a while, right?
2: Yeah. I want to say like summer of 2017. So three a plus couple years. years now. Yeah. Okay.
0: I guess it is three years. I forget it's yeah. twenty twenty. I don't know how. I don't know how I've <laughs> forgotten that. Just tried to put it out of my mind. I guess
2: it's kind of crazy cool. to think that March is only a couple months away when like the whole world stopped. And but it, this year felt like it took so long. And then it also feels like is it really been almost a year already? So I don't know. It's weird, bizarre.
0: Yeah, I've heard some people say that they think the year went so quickly, and uh, I that must be what they're thinking of because there's no way that the year actually went quickly.
2: Yeah, it was like slow during it and then you were, look back. But I think that's anything when you look back on anything it feels like it was shorter than it was, but I'm ready March, for
1: 2021. I'm ready. March and April felt like a year each to me, but yes. the rest of the year seemed to really move for quickly. sure. Yeah, my time in Mexico definitely moved
0: quickly. I, mean, I was there for a month and a half and it it humble brag alert. Yeah. Seemed way less than that. Rub it in,
1: rub it in, okay. Yeah. Oh, there's I mean, nothing
0: humble about it. That's. It. <laughs> I was in Mexico for a month and a half. I ate all the tacos.
2: When I got bored, I you went to the beach. It was
0: amazing.
2: Then you you had a hurricane hit, right? And the... oh yeah,
0: we had a tropical storm. We had a hurricane. It was my first tropical storm, my first hurricane, and my first two COVID scares where I had to go get COVID tests. So that's why oh. I'm not traveling that much anymore.
2: On our uh, on our honeymoon. We were in uh, Nassau and Katrina came through while we were in Nassau, which it didn't. I mean, it rained a ton. The water level in the ocean went up like feet overnight, but it wasn't bad. Like there wasn't high winds or anything. And we didn't really know about it until our flight got canceled that we were supposed to fly back the next day because everything in the U.S. was pretty much shut down. So we ended up getting an extra day out of our honeymoon because of that. And it ended up being the best night of the whole trip. So that's kind of funny. And that Santa. is pretty cool. It's
0: funny you say the ocean went up so many so far. It was I just crazy to me to see after the tropical storm and the hurricane, they came in about, I think three or four days apart. But after they came through, how much of the beach in Playa del Carmen was gone? I think it's the, the Hyatt is right there on the beach and they didn't have beach anymore. They had it, like the water was coming right up to their decking, which is sad for them and for everyone, really. Um, and hopefully that all, they'll be able to build those beaches back up a little bit and, uh, people can relax in the sun.
2: We have that issue here. You know, Michigan has coastline pretty much the whole way around and it's, you know, lake instead of ocean, but, um, we've had houses fall into the, into the lakes because the water levels are so high right now and they just have eroded away. They used to have, you know, a hundred feet of frontage of beach frontage and it's just all gone. So. It's kind of crazy and something that we've been dealing with for the last few years. They have to dump rocks in just to try to break the waves up and all kinds of stuff. It's something you I don't think, expect. I think
0: that ranks pretty high up there on the bad days when your house falls into a lake. <laughs>
2: yeah, When you're when you're, uh, you know, half a million dollar, what million dollar lake house just kind of falls when off lake. It becomes a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, a, I, I'm sure that's not insured. So, you know, like, what do you do there? I don't know. That's when you need flood insurance. Yeah. And- I <laughs> I want, nobody expects that in Michigan. Like, oh, I'm up on a cliff. What, what do I need flood insurance for? Oh, your house just capsized, basically.
0: Your house just fell into the ocean. So you have a house. Uh, you recently bought a place that could eventually fall into a lake, right? Uh,
2: no, we're like three blocks away from the lake. So, I, I mean, I guess in a couple hundred years, maybe it could fall in. But um, it's like a, a five, six-minute walk to the water. So not bad but we're uh, we're close enough we can enjoy it but far enough away that we don't need to worry about it losing it
1: so now the burning question for everyone is do you have flood insurance
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm starting to reconsider my life choices I might need to get it
1: it literally may fall into the lake tonight so I would I would figure that out
0: yeah we have a bad history Derek and I doing podcasts like bad things happen so <laughs> It, it might um, you may wake up and not have a house anymore. Sorry about that. If that happens,
2: <laughs> unlikely for for water, but you never know what will happen. Um, we actually have to shut it down for the winter because it's not really insulated. There's no heat source uh, to speak of. You know, this is like an area that it's a lot of like hunting cabins and stuff that people turned into, you know, added on rooms and turned into little lake house, lake houses and stuff. And they're all older.
0: And when they did that,
2: they didn't realize they were in Michigan? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's all summer places. They're all summer. It's a big thing. Um, And I always forget, you know, a lot of people that don't live in the Midwest, like going up north, it's kind of like a summer tradition that everybody does when they grow up. Um, A lot of people have cottages because they're very affordable. Um, Even lakefront property in certain places can be like, you know, $100,000, $150,000 that you can get a lakefront house. So... There's a lot of people like a lot of GM, Ford, ex-employees um, that grew up were able to purchase a secondary house and they would go up there all summer on the weekend. So it's called, hey, we're going to the cottage, we're going up north. It's kind of something that everybody does and something I grew up going to friends' cottages and stuff and something I always wanted to um, have for my uh, kids that they had a place they grew up to and then that they can take their kids to and and kind of keep that going. So I'm hoping it's something that stays in the family for generations um, and we kind of build that that way. So we'll see. Well,
0: that's something when I was growing up, I had a lot of friends who had houses on some of the Finger Lakes. I grew up in upstate New York and uh, either on the Finger Lakes or a couple people had places on Lake Ontario. And I was um, always jealous of those people that had those handed down family homes. So congratulations for creating kids that people will be
2: jealous of. <laughs> exactly yeah exactly um and the funny thing is we bought it we bought it from people that flipped it and they bought it for next to nothing because it was in such disrepair and and needed a lot of work but the family that had owned it before them um had owned it for you know 50 60 years and it just kind of passed through the generations and they never really changed anything or did anything and and then it came around that everybody had to put tap into the sewer line which was a big bill um you had to pay to the county to, to, for them to lay the sewer. And then you had to also pay to get the sewer line put in yourself. So there was a lot of houses that went up for sale at that time, because a lot of these uh, cottages that had been handed down, you know, they couldn't afford the $10,000 or whatever it is to, to do all that. So they ended up having to sell um, and sell on the cheap just to, to unload it before they got hit with that bill.
1: I don't know, Mark, once you said uh, waterfront property for 150 grand, the mid-Atlantic uh, dwellers like Jeff and I, we don't even know what you're talking about. Are, are you are you sure this house exists? Have you I've seen it?
2: I'm
0: pretty there. sure I
1: heard Derek pull up a browser and start looking at real
0: estate. <laughs> I can't be positive.
2: Yeah, I mean, you think about Michigan, it's uh, the whole coastline is lakes. And then we also have hundreds of inland lakes. So th- there's a lot, the further north you go, the better deals you can get. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity out there that you can, Legit. We've seen houses Um, in, like we used to go to a place called East Towers, Michigan, and there's houses up there right on the beach, you know, seven, eight years ago that were $90,000. I mean, we're talking like a, a 500 square foot, one bedroom house type of thing. But for a cottage, you just make do.
0: And how often do you expect to use that? Or I guess what's the range of use? Because with, with no heating and no uh I guess no heating is the big thing. No heating, no insulation. (laughs) But what's the season for that typically where you are or where it is?
2: I think we'll use it occasionally um, in the spring, you know, on the weekends or something. Just go up there when it's a nice, nice weather. Um, And then in the fall, the same thing. We have, you know, little space heaters or stuff that we can. So we can go. We went all the way up to like mid-November. It was still like 50s. So we were able to use it. But I mean, the main season is going to be mid-May to end of uh, September. We plan to use it most weekends. We're going to rent it out some to offset some of the costs, just to family and friends, not to Airbnb or anything like that. But that will defray a lot of the expense that we have. So that's what we're we're planning to do and see where it goes from there. But I kind of want to be um, selfish and, and not <laughs> rent it out the first year and just use it every weekend. But I'm sure we'll get yeah, tired of having heading up there. But
0: You'll be super sad the first time that you, you'll be excited when you rent it out the first time and then you'll want to go that weekend for sure.
2: Yeah. I said I said, uh maybe when we rent it out we should go uh check out back to East House where we used to go and just rent a ho- use the money to rent a hotel up there for the weekend. But um yeah, I'm put sure there will be a, a sweet sorrow for sure.
0: Maybe put a clause in the rental agreement that you can pull out at the last minute. Kind I'll of put like you up at the Hilton
2: Tree t- 20 minutes down the road if I
1: decide I want to use this, okay?
0: Maybe that's not the best way to market it. Maybe don't tell people about that.
1: Jeff, I feel like we have to book this now. Number one, just to confirm that it actually exists because I still don't believe any of these properties exist for the price he's talking about. And two, <laughs> I feel like we should just go be the absolute worst tenants possible. Yeah,
0: I mean, we don't have to break stuff, but we can sure cause a ruckus, right? Definitely.
2: The funny thing is like within the first um, like two weekends that we went up there, we met all our neighbors and I've lived in uh, the house in Metro Detroit here for like 13 years and we've, we've met, you know, maybe two of our neighbors. <laughs> I met like s- our seven surrounding neighbors all in like one weekend. So totally different vibe, really cool area, super nice people. Uh, so that tells so, me that you're just friendlier up North. That's true too. I mean, everybody sits out at their campfire out front. So as they walk down the road, they stop by, have a beer, everybody chats, then they go move on. So it's just,
1: that's just up north living, really. Is that is that for social reasons or they actually need heat? I'm still confused over no insulation, no heat. They go get as warm as possible. Hop in the as many covers as they can so they can actually get some sleep. I mean, there is a, there is a ventless, uh,
2: fireplace, a ventless gas fireplace place in there, but we don't really, I mean, you can only run it for like a couple hours because it doesn't have a vent. So eventually we want to put some type of heat source in there, like a direct furnace or something, but we also will be heating outside basically. Cause there is no like in the attic, there is zero insulation. So now Derek,
0: this might be an idea for you. Cause you're working on designing the new house. Maybe if you like don't put any insulation in it then you won't need a heating system either that could save you a lot
1: of money there yeah. you go yeah. or just move somewhere warm where you don't need heat there see? i mean that's that's also a possibility i don't know I, I i'm still i'm just completely lost on this whole hundred and fifty thousand dollar waterfront cabin thing like everything else i've heard him say is blah 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 since then so um,
2: you could just fly your plane up there hit it for the weekends and fly home see it's set up for you for you yes, that's it.
0: I think that's exactly what Derek and I are going to do when we rent your place out.
1: <laughs> well, part of me thinks if I fly the plane over it, it may just blow down or something. I mean, it, it, is this thing actually standing upright? <laughs> is it just like a cardboard box? I mean, what do you what do you have here? Yeah. I mean, it's
2: uh it's on floating piers, so it's a little bit weird of a foundation. Um, uh, you know, our inspector was struggling with it at first he's like i don't i don't think this foundation's up to code and i'm I was like okay, i think man. this is a
0: dock is this a dock
2: <laughs> cuz we saw like the the around the house there's like no you know you're used to seeing foundation like bricks or whatever around the bottom of the house and that's open but he was just like a, a green inspector so shame on me for hiring him but yeah floating piers never had a house like that so that's a little bit different but it's 650 square feet um there's three bedrooms one bath. Uh, can totally you remodeled. or
0: can you or can you not see through the
2: walls? Um, I mean, you can hear through the walls.
1: <laughs> I guess the question now is, can you see through the walls after Jeff and I rented it out for a weekend? Because <laughs> well, the answer will most definitely be yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Little drunk stumbles and put your head right through the uh, through the plywood
1: walls or whatever.
0: That was but, your, uh, you
1: know, Yeah, that's not. Let's
0: not do that. <laughs>
1: Congrats on the new place though. It's always exciting, especially when you get a vacation home. Tell our uh, listeners, how far is it from your main house?
2: Yeah. And that, that was the big selling feature of this. And it's funny because we had never been to the area we bought it in. It's in, it's a town called Lexington, which is just North of Port Huron, which is a big, big border city um, that crosses into Canada. So we had never been there before. And with the pandemic and everything this summer, we were supposed to go up to taos but it was in a hotel and it was like the peak of COVID and we didn't know what was going on. So we canceled that for 4th of July and we, I scrambled and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to pull up Airbnb and find anything near water that I can find and we'll rent that. So, uh, an option came up in Lexington and we pulled it up and I'm like, Oh, this looks nice. looks like a nice house down the street from the water. You know, let's go, let's do it. The town looks cool from the pictures I saw. So we went there and we hung out for, you know, like four days. And we ended up driving around. We're like, Oh my gosh, look at that house for sale. That one's for sale. How much? Oh, okay. And we put an offer that weekend. <laughs> <that> we <get. laughs> so we had only been to the area once. We're not, we don't think things through all the time. We had always talked about buying something in the Taos area that we always go to, but that's like a two and a half hour drive where this is only an hour away from our house. So that's really advantageous because we can go just for like the night. We go on a Saturday, come back Sunday if we wanted to. You know, there's a lot more options. You could go up for the day just to go swimming, you know, cutting the drive. time.
0: Great to have a place that close.
2: Yeah. So an hour is pretty, pretty crazy. And it's it feels like up north, even though you're in. We're only 15 minutes away from a big city that has everything you need. So. My like wife and I
0: definitely look at real estate listings everywhere we travel. We You walk by the real estate office and look at the houses and see how much they are and see how much apartments are and stuff like that. But we've never actually bought a place after we did that.
2: Yes, that's how we roll. I mean, we buy cars on vacation. We buy... <laughs> that's a whole nother story. We had our car just completely... Um, we were going to like an indoor water park with the kids and the, the transmission just like blew out as we're pulling out of a McDonald's like a mile from the hotel and luckily there was a car dealership across the street. So I w- went over there. I'm like, Hey, can you help me push this car into the car dealership and and you guys can check it out tomorrow and see what's going on. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be like uh $4,000 to fix. And I was like, well, what do you got for sale? So they're <laughs> <laughs> like, what if you just keep it and I'll buy well, something for me? I was like, if I could have, they didn't have any loaner cars and there, and it was a small town. So there's no rental cars. I'm like, dude, I really, like, wh- what am I supposed to do here? I can't, I can't get home if I don't have a car. So I was kind of forced into buying a vehicle because there was no other option. You
0: either have to buy a
2: car or steal a car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they, if they would have had a loaner, I probably would have just got it fixed, but, um, ended up working out cause we needed more space and we ended up getting a, a bigger SUV. So, but that's, that's how our vacations go, I guess.
0: So speaking of vacations, we've talked, uh, about your water park adventures your new cabin that has no heat um let's let's get into your travel style a little bit though i think i have a hunch what it might be you head towards water but uh when you travel are you typically on your own are you traveling with just you and your wife are you traveling with the kids are you traveling i guess tell everybody what your family consists of we never covered that
2: yeah Um, and then kind
0: of how you travel
2: Yeah, so I've been married uh, for 15 years to a high school sweetheart. So, Congrats on that. Thank you. And we were supposed to be in Hawaii for our 15-year anniversary this summer and had to cancel that. So that's a little bit sad. But we have two kids, a boy and a girl. Uh, My son just turned nine, and my daughter just turned seven. So he's really big into travel. She likes to travel somewhat, but she also complains about walking places and stuff where he's like a super trooper will walk. 10 miles and not complain and which is weird. Cause he complains about everything else, but when he's traveling, he's like a whole nother person. So that's been cool to see. I will walk 10 miles,
0: but I will definitely complain about it. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's actually better at navigating the airport than my wife is. Like we go to the, you know, TSA and he's pulling everything out that he's supposed to and stuff. And she's like, huh, what's going on. But, um, and I'll get murdered for that if she listens to this, which she probably will. So don't sorry worry about up. that.
1: I will tag her. She'll she'll find out.
0: <laughs> My kids get visibly upset in the TSA line if somebody is like taking off their jacket and pre check and they don't need to. And they're like, why are they doing that? And they get angry. And I'm like,
3: calm
0: <laughs> down.
2: <laughs> not everybody knows how to do this. They might have just got the, the pre on their ticket and they're not actually pre. So they don't know what's going on. Yeah. So as far as travel, it's kind of a mix of all of the above. I don't do a ton of solo travel unless it's like a work event or something, but I, I don't really call that solo because I'm meeting up with people. Um, and then, you know, I do, we usually do one or two trips a year with just me and my wife. We try to do that. And then we have several with uh, the full, the whole family. And then I try to do like one trip a year with just me and each kid. Um, so, you know, we'll go either visit my parents in Florida or go to Orlando or or do something like that. And then that's about half of my trips. The other half are with uh, buddies that we're either going to baseball stadiums or, you know, one friend I always do all my international travel with um, besides of unless my wife's going, but for the most part, that's, it's like a mix of the two, but travel is definitely short trips. We talked about this before we started recording a lot of Friday night, fly out, fly back Sunday, very little sleep. Um, so that's the majority of the trips, but a lot of weekend trips, quick trips. Um, I can't do the month and a half in Mexico. Sorry. You mentioned before
0: the sports games, are you just a huge sports fan in general? Or do you follow specific teams and you go to the games and go to some of their away games? Or are you trying to hit all the ballparks? Is there an overall goal there? Or you just love catching a game somewhere?
2: Yeah, I mean, the main goal is uh, hitting all the baseball parks. And Joe makes fun of me on the Miles Memories podcast that I'll go to a baseball park, I don't watch any of the game, which I do like baseball. And I love the Detroit Tigers. But You know, if I'm if I'm going to watch if I'm at a park that like the twins are playing the Rockies, like I don't care. I'm not going to sit there and watch that. It's just not. So we walk around the park, check things out, eat some things, drink some beers, you know, get a feel for the place and then leave in like the fifth inning. So he thinks that's hilarious. Um, Other than that, I've been trying to go to like every major sporting event, been to like the World Series, um, been to the Final Four, been to the college football playoffs, stuff like that. So I still have a couple left holding out hope that the Lions someday make it to the Super Bowl. So I can go to that, but we'll see. So Most likely well not. For that one. Yeah, like uh, maybe my son's son will get to see it.
1: And you're a big Michigan fan,
2: I believe, right? Oh, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> no, so uh, big Michigan State fan. So that's why, you know, I went to the college football playoff in the Final Fours when they were in it. And I have a unique hookup where one of my best buddies, uh, girlfriend is the cheerleading coach at Michigan state. So she gets me access. Like I, I was on the field for the, before the Michigan, Michigan state game, had field passes, got to walk the field, watch them warm up and everything, which was pretty insane. One of my favorite memories ever. Um, what's up, Elise? Thank you for all that you do. It, you'll probably never listen to this, but just in case.
0: <laughs> I'm worried when you said that's one of your favorite memories ever. It's a, it's another problem spot for when your wife listens to this. So <laughs> You're
1: digging that hole,
0: Mark. It's, oh yeah. One more, of my favorite memories deep. ever was when I got to hang out with the college cheerleaders
2: before the game. Oh <laughs> uh, no, we weren't really with the cheerleaders too much, but um, we did see the cheerleader room, which they have their own little room in the stadium. So it was—it uh, didn't have any windows, and it was—it was tight quarters. I do not envy them.
0: So when you travel to these different locations, are you typically using loyalty programs? Are you using miles and points? Are you uh, paying for stuff and earning miles and points? Do you just completely neglect your day job and pay for your travel?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, for years and years, I've just started, you know, paying for stuff a little bit. But for years and years, I uh, I use miles and points no matter what, because you know i wasn't working i i quit my corporate job when my son was born to be a stay-at-home dad so until i started working for miles memories you know we were one income and i was still traveling and that's when i got into miles and points was when he was born and i was he was taking a nap and i started digging into it and reading about it so that's how i got into it and i always use miles and points for everything and it stayed that way until a couple of years ago where i started to, to to actually cash out miles and points to, to pay for cash for certain things but that's kind of where we're at you know i'll use bank bonuses and stuff to cover to to cover some costs of travel if i'm paying you know if there's no points hotel or something like that but for the most part i try to to cover it all from you know the chases and Amexes of the world from points of some type yes. I,
0: I actually got into miles and points when i was a stay-at-home dad i had sold a business and was uh, staying home for a couple of years with the kids and started reading about it so i wonder how many of us
2: there are that got into it in that way I think there's quite a few there's they're really like I've run into quite a few people that were stay-at-home parents and and kind of dug into it so something cool like when I when I first became a stay-at-home dad it was it was kind of a unique thing you know it was like nine ten years ago um, where I think now it's more commonplace but it was funny my wife's parents when she told them you know Mark's gonna quit his job and stay home and uh, her mom was like oh oh <laughs> oh is he Not, oh, that's great news. Like my parents were like, oh, that's so cool. That will be fun or whatever. And her parents were like, "Uh uh-huh. Mine was
0: an odd situation because I was uh, in business with my father-in-law and sold my share of the business back to him because I couldn't do that anymore. So I'm sure he had all sorts of feelings about me becoming a stay-at-home dad. (laughs) You're both disappointments (laughs) to your (laughs) in-laws. Not everyone. Oh, I've known that for years.
2: (laughs) Oh, yes. When I asked, uh, I was old fashioned to ask for their hand in marriage. They they basically said, well, we don't really have any reservations. So I guess I guess you're OK.
0: Well, (laughs) you'll do.
2: Yeah, you're not not top choice, but Hmm. we're we're going to deal with it. So, no, they're they're nice. They're nice people. And um, I can't complain, but it's just funny stories. You know, some of the stuff that they say comes (laughs) makes me laugh. But, yeah so back In to in-laws
1: back to the points of miles thing mark we know being a detroit flyer you love delta uh tell us a little bit more about your favorite hotel programs and uh your favorite credit card rewards programs anything else like that
2: yeah i do i love delta um but i don't fly them a ton it's it's pretty much whatever works you know delta's usually more expensive either miles and points wise or uh you know cash price so I'll fly Southwest occasionally, which Derek is in love with. Like if he can marry Southwest, he would. American, I don't, the only one I don't fly is United, but I've flown Spirit and everybody hates Spirit, but I actually enjoy flying Spirit. It's a kind of a weird thing. So if I am paying cash, it's pretty much Spirit flights, which pro tip, if you buy the ticket at the airport, you save $20 per person each way. That's a fee that they charge for online, which doesn't make sense, but that's the way it is. And that works for Frontier or any of the low cost carriers. A lot of
0: fees don't make sense, but if people will pay them, they'll keep charging them
2: pretty much. That's why they're like, hey, this is your sucker fee for booking online. So when I'm traveling somewhere else, if I know I'm going to want to fly spirit in the future, I'll stop at the desk while I'm already at the airport and buy the ticket. Um, So you don't have to buy it like same day. You can buy it as far out as their schedule goes. Uh, I think who- there's a certain
0: comfort with some of those low cost carriers and I, I mean it's not as nice but it's not markedly worse and you know what you're going to get every time there's no surprises once you understand their process and understand that you have to pay for everything and understand that you're not going to get food on board without paying for it and you're not going to you may not even have the option to buy food it's very consistent rather than you know, people love to people in the miles and points space love to complain that they didn't get their pre-departure beverage when flying upper class on domestic airlines and this and that like if you're flying Spirit there's no worries about that you don't have to be stressed about it and it's not going to happen you got to pay for those buzz balls if you
2: want them <laughs> but no uh, and it's funny because I can fly Spirit a lot of time and I only fly low cost carriers if it's direct I don't want connections because when they run into issues they don't have any you know the amount of routes to rebook you or you know they don't work with other airlines to rebook you so I'll fly them direct, but I can often fly Spirit in the big front seat, which is basically a first class seat that doesn't recline, but it's still first class seat without all the frills of first class, no drinks and stuff like that. But it'll be cheaper than paying economy for Delta. So I'll go that route. Um, we've flown that to Orlando quite a bit with the kids, and I love all the looks they get as people people walk by but i also enjoy i mean spirit spirit is surprisingly one of the more on-time airlines like top four or five sometimes first depending on the quarter. but the boarding process is the the easiest of all the airlines i feel like because everybody's fighting for overhead bin space on all the domestic airlines except for spirit charges you to more to do overhead bin versus um checking it. So everybody checks their bags. So everybody walks on and there's just open bin space and you just walk on, pop your backpack up there and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And everybody gets up and just walks off because they're not grabbing for their bags. And the drink service takes two minutes because nobody's getting free drinks. So it's kind of unique, but something to check out as far as um, for hotels, I focus on Hyatt, of course, which is a love of most besides Jeff Um
1: and uh, I Hil- don't
2: dislike Hyatt. I just <laughs> He's not don't, chasing globalists
1: if you follow him on Twitter. but I just don't I, need to be a globalist. He just spends a month and a half in Mexico. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, he just yeah, knows right. Derek's going to book him a guest of honor anytime he needs it. So. <laughs>
0: well, I'm not going to pay for a hotel for a month and a half when I can get an Airbnb with three <laughs> floors and an upper roof deck that's right next door to the best beer bar in town. That's
2: It just wouldn't make sense. That was the selling point, the beer bar. He was like, all right, this is the bar I want to be near. Let me Airbnb it around this.
0: Actually, I found that afterwards, and I was
2: so excited. <laughs> oh, it works out perfectly. That's pretty sweet,
1: though. Um, I've, I've definitely booked Airbnbs around beer bars. Um, next time you're in Amsterdam uh, and you want to be at the Gollum, which is the best beer bar maybe in Europe, you, you have to put that proximity alert on Airbnb to figure out where to stay.
2: You should have given me that tip when I was there because I did not hit up that bar. But You did uh, not have it would have been
0: helpful to know
2: before I Airbnb, we Airbnb, we did an Airbnb a couple of the nights in Amsterdam and it was above a tattoo parlor. Like we had to enter the tattoo parlor and then walk up to the second floor of the tattoo parlor and then up the the tight staircase to the third floor. And that's where the Airbnb started. So when we're coming back from the bars at like two, three in the morning, we have to open up and lock up a, a tattoo parlor, which is, was bizarre. That's
0: dangerous if you've been drinking a lot. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we're taking pictures in the tattoo chairs in the middle of the night. and stuff. So <laughs> did you fire up the machine? No, no, we did not, luckily. Um, but it was kind of bizarre. Like, And then when you get up in the morning and you walk downstairs to leave, you're walking through as people are getting tattoos on various places on their body. And <laughs> it was definitely one of the more unique things. And they said in there, like, there's a lot of stairs. If you're old or can't walk up here, do not come to this place. like do not book this place but and then of course there was no sheets on the bed i slept on (laughs) so i came back and i didn't realize that until we came back from the bar so i just passed out on like a mattress with nothing you can do at that point yeah i'm just like oh here it is hope i don't get syphilis
0: (laughs) i actually booked a place in lisbon for a trip next fall and it Was a a third floor and it's the same, same sort of thing. It's like there are a lot of stairs. There's no lift in this building. You're going to have to walk up a bunch of stairs. And after I booked it in the confirmation email, they they sent me a message and they're like, just so you know, this is third floor, which is the same as your fourth floor. There's four flights of stairs to go up. I was like, yes, yes,
2: I get it. I understand. Can we do a side tangent here and say what is with uh, Europe and not having screens on their windows? So it gets hot and you want to open up the window and then you wake up to like a bat and like 18 bugs in your room because because they never put a screen on. I'm like, what is what is going on here? Like, you don't have air conditioning in half these places and then you don't have a screen either. Like, what what are we doing here?
0: They're at one with nature.
2: (laughs) Exactly. The I, did,
0: I did have a problem with that when we were in France, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, and they're like, well, it doesn't get that hot there for that much of the year. And it, would, it was a heat wave, but it was literally 110 degrees Fahrenheit, and there was no way to cool anything. There were no fans, there was no air conditioning, it was, there was no air movement.
2: It was just stale sweat, just everywhere.
0: stale 110 degrees. And I just laid on the bed and I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Can't even take a cold shower to cool that off, man. Jeez. I mean, you can, but by the time you dried off, you're sweating again. It was just, it was <laughs> you can't awful.
2: tell if it's water or sweat at the end of it. You're like, am I sweating or is this, still-? I'm still wet.
0: But it was there. I, I was there for a, a decent amount of time. And it's funny because by the end of the trip, I mean, it was super hot when we were in the, like the middle to South of France. And by the end of the trip, if it was like, if I woke up and it was like 86 degrees, I was like, Ooh, I'm going for a run. It's cool. <laughs> Whereas here, if it's 86 degrees, I'm like, I don't want to open the door to let the dogs out. It's going to be so hot. (laughs) It's
1: all relative. Yeah. So that's weird. So Mark, you mentioned that um, your least favorite thing about European houses and Airbnbs is the uh, lack of screens on the windows and you are miserable. Can we just talk quickly about the best feature, I think, which is the heated towel racks. Don't you love those things? I've, n- I've never had one. <laughs> anywhere really? I've
2: stayed there. No. Like I every don't, I don't
1: think so. Every Airbnb I've ever had in Europe has the, you know, the heated towel racks near the uh radiator. So you hang your towels on there, you get out of the shower and they're like 150 degrees and they melt your skin and it's amazing.
2: That does sound nice. That and like uh if they have heated floors, like I always I always like heated floors in a bathroom. Yeah.
1: I guess maybe it's just me, but I've had three or four Airbnbs in Europe and they've all had that. So I, I, I just, you know, stereotyped Europe and thought they all had that. <laughs> I- well,
2: I'm like the worst Airbnb person because I'm, I'm not a fan of Airbnb. Um, I try to avoid it. I just like the consistency of hotels and chains in, in like this where I ran into an issue. I come back at night and I don't have sheets on my bed. Like one that would never happen in a hotel. And two, if it did, I could go, I could call somebody, I could go somewhere, I could get things fixed where in Airbnb, you're like, oh, I don't want to wake up this dude at three in the morning. So I'm not going to bother him. Um, So it's just, you know, the deals are there for Airbnb and you definitely at certain times you get like a better location or you get more involved in the city. So I understand it, um, why people are drawn to it. It just, for some reason, it just, it just. It doesn't a- appeal to me in the in the slightest.
1: Yeah, that makes sense we've we've uh, figured out over a bunch of travel that we really really enjoy Airbnb when we travel with other couples because it gives you a common space you know to hang out, have a refrigerator uh, for drinks uh, namely beer uh, and have some downtime in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. but uh when we're traveling solo we we agree with you we much prefer hotels at this point in life. Uh, but again for if if it's more than just sarah and i we love to have the airbnb with the common areas what about you jeff airbnb versus uh, hotels so with a
0: family we typically will do airbnbs just because i don't have hyatt globalist so i'm not guaranteed a suite but it's it, travel with children is markedly different when there's a door that you can close between you um, that's always been my feeling, wow, and, wow, wow,
1: Yeah, TMI right there. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: not even as much that as you just need to get away from them sometimes.
2: <laughs> that is true. Uh, so if we when can they're have, younger,
0: if we can have now, honestly, I look for three bedrooms because if the boys can have their own room and we can have a room, it's wonderful. So we typically do Airbnbs when we're traveling as a family. If it's the night before a flight or we're only spending one night someplace, we'll grab a hotel. Uh, if I'm traveling on my own, I go in two different directions. I either use points or certificates to stay at crazy nice hotels, or I'll spend 10 bucks and stay at a shack on the side of the road.
2: <laughs> it, so he treats himself to luxury,
0: but when it's the family, we get it. Yeah, yeah they, they don't need, need that. I mean, they've, they've had their share of luxury, and they, they oh, no. continue to get it every now and then, but... And more often than not, like especially if I'm traveling in, in Asia or South America, somewhere where there's cheap lodging, I don't care where I stay. If it's, if it's 10, 20, 30 bucks and there's a bed that I can sleep in, it's actually that when I asked you earlier if you could see through the walls, that was um, kind of inspired by a place that I stayed in the Philippines because I could see through the walls. The boards didn't co- quite come together. <laughs> But it was a lovely stay. I think it was eight dollars a night. It was wonderful. That was part of the features the peepholes, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it was like that was the upcharge. It was seven bucks, but with peepholes, it was eight.
0: Yeah, and the I mean the it, the boards were close enough together that the bats couldn't get in. So at least that was nice. There you
2: go. See, there's a step up from Europe. No bats with the open <laughs> windows. Um, I will say for family travel, I think like the the clutch uh, one that I go to is Hyatt Place because that pull-out couch is like a lifesaver. My son is uh, big for his age, like tall, and he flops and kicks. So a lot of times, like my wife will sleep with my daughter, who's like tiny, miniature, although she rolls around a lot. And then I'll get the other bed. We'll do like a two bed, and then my son will sleep on the pull-out. So I get a bed to myself, which is key, which is very key family travel so I can get some sleep.
0: And have you found with Hyatt place that part of the design of that hotel is terribly slow elevators? Yes. <laughs> I
2: think it's a feature of the hotel. Yeah. I honestly do. There's like, a the one slow elevator. Here you go.
0: <laughs> we first noticed it at the uh, Hyatt place, Waikiki, they have two elevators and I don't know, eight or nine floors or something of people that all eat breakfast at the same time. <laughs> and it was just horrible. And then there've been a couple other that I've been at, uh, more recently. And the elevators have been just as bad. And I was like, do they do this on purpose? Is this like, this is one of the little quirks of the hotel.
2: I, I will really- say the quirkiest room I've ever stayed in. This just reminds me of it because it was the holiday in, I don't know if it was a holiday Inn or holiday Inn express in St. Augustine. And you know how you normally get off elevator banks, like two elevators. And then to the right is just like a wall with a window and you go to the left or opposite way, whatever way. Like when you turn one way, it's just the end of this little mini, hallway and there's a window looking outside and then you go the other way to get to the main hallway to walk down to to your room or whatever well ours we get out we walk we walk one way we can't find our room we walk the other way we can't find a room we're like where is this it was at the end of the like you get out the elevators and you turn to the right where there should be a window and that was where our room was just the one room over there (laughs) just the one room it was at the end of the elevator little mini hall and they put a room there It was the weirdest design ever.
0: That's fantastic. I I would have had a problem finding that too. I wouldn't have assumed there was a room over there.
2: Yeah. We just turned the other way. We're like, oh, there's the hallway. Let's go find our room. And nope. We walked
1: back and forth. We're like, where the heck is this? That happened to us, uh, Sarah and I, at the Waldorf Astoria, New York back in 2013 or 2014, our first stay there. They stuck us right beside the elevator. It was this one little tiny room off in a corner by itself. And you talk about the the boards barely touching to see through the walls. Uh, we heard the elevator run nonstop all night. I don't think either of us slept a wink.
2: That's Waldorf uh, money right there for you, right? Uh, the, right. The type, I must have right? really liked you. And yeah. I, I said, I'm like, did I really upset the lady at the check-in? Like, this must be the room. You read those books from people that work at hotels and they like key bomb people where they'll make one key work, but the other key won't like as it'll work once and then it won't work anymore. And so you have to come back downstairs if you're rude. They'll do that to you and stuff. I'm like, was I rude and I didn't notice it? And that's why she stuck me in this crappy room.
1: We'll give you an upgrade to the elevator room. There's only <laughs> one per floor. You look super like close my in boyfriend.
0: In case of evacuations, you're super close <laughs> to the elevator you can't use.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: I love it. So, Mark, tell us tell us a little bit about how uh you incorporate beer in your travels. Do you do beer related trips? Do you travel for beer? Or do you just uh decide to drink beer at your locations? What do you do?
2: Yeah, I've, I've only done a couple like I have one buddy that's really big in the breweries. I'm not much of a beer snob. Like I love beer and I love trying different beers, but I don't like research it or anything like that. Um, But I Shocker. Shocker. I feel attacked with that. Uh, this is me with everything. Like, like one of the questions on the show notes is how many uh, upper class flights have you flown and stuff? I'm like, I don't even know what kind of airplane I'm on ever. And this is something Ian Snyder, who writes for Miles Memories, makes fun of me. He's like. What air? what airplane is this? I'm like, I don't know, man, that's not something I care about. Like, I don't I don't. Track yeah, you notice we skipped I... right by that.
0: We didn't, <laughs> we didn't ask. When you started talking about
2: spirit, I was like,
0: well, those questions are out the window.
2: <laughs> I'm like, I don't track how many points and miles I earn in a year. I don't track how many I spend. I don't track how many signs. I don't do. I I'm like the uh, anti-establishment in this game. And I know a lot of people are lo- like they're big into planes and tracking and all this stuff, and I don't do any of it. So um well, Ooh. I saw
0: somebody this morning asked in travel on points. Like how many credit cards have you got this year or something similar yeah. to that? And I was like, yeah, oh, I don't you know.
2: It a super spreadsheet that he tracks every single thing he does. He, that's why he was like the first one. Like I did 12 this year because Mark,
1: <laughs> I actually have a spreadsheet for this show tracking the differences between you and I. Um, I, I have spreadsheets for everything.
2: Opposites attract, Derek. That's why we love each other. Love you. You have to play nice until we rent the cabin. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Back to the back to the beer question. I just remembered what we were talking about. Um. So yeah. So a squirrel. (laughs) So um, I had one. You know, we went to Denver and stuff, and he he wanted to go to Epic and all this other stuff. Like he had it planned out. So I've done those trips, and I and I've loved them. But most of the times, I just kind of, I might have like a couple things in mind that I want to go see, but. I try not to plan out too much because I notice that whenever I plan stuff, I don't end up hitting like half of it. And then I get depressed that I didn't. So, and I I find that the, the places I found that I like the most or the most unique and just random stuff is just from walking around. And we'll just like be walking around the city and be like, Oh, that looks like a cool bar. Let's go in there and try it. And then you find like this awesome beer sitting in this awesome patio that you didn't even know was there unless you walked inside. And like, you had no idea you would end up at Bardo brewing
0: when you came to DC.
2: Yes, exactly. Like that's one of my favorite beer memories because it's a Mad Max Thunderdome brewery. Everything's outside and it looks like they ripped up a 70s diner and just threw it under a canopy and said, hey, here's a bar. And I like that. And I I talk about it all the time. So I like random stuff like that. Unexpected stuff. You know, when you I like my life goal is to set the bar low and then aim high. Like if you have low expectations, you're usually going to exceed them. And that makes life more enjoyable so i just kind of walk around
1: and find what i find and drink what i drink don't worry everyone that knows you understands you typically aim to set the bar low (laughs) the good news is you typically are an overachiever and you 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 end up raising the bar a little bit but there we go i get to mediocrity all the time
0: so what are some of the places that you've traveled that you've accidentally found good beer
2: Uh, Funny thing is, you know, um, Dublin, everybody, beer Dublin, yes, Guinness, of course, Um, which uh, I found interesting that, you know, even talking to locals and stuff, they say, like, if you go into a place and everybody's drinking Guinness, that means it's a good pour. If you go to another place and nobody's ordering Guinness, that means it's a bad pour. And you'll notice the difference in taste when you drink it in Dublin versus drinking it here and then even from bar to bar. But the... um, my favorite beer I had there was called Hop House 13, which is also from Guinness. And it's something they only serve at the time. They only serve there and in uh, London or England, parts of England. Um, so you could only get it there. It's like their lager. Like and it was really good. And I'm like, what is this? Where who makes it? I just saw I saw advertisements where I'm like, I'll try that. Hop House 13. And it was really good. And then I found out it was by Guinness. And I was like, is there any way for me to get this in the U.S.? And they're like, no. Like and then no silly American, <laughs> yeah. You no, know, you have to fly over here. And then when we went to Amsterdam a couple of years later, um, we were at a, um, like an Irish pub and they ended up having it on the menu. So, of course, I went there like three times while we were visiting. But, um, so that was kind of a surprising thing, which I know it's not like a craft beer. I will say, um, a place I was looking forward to that I actually like despised was Brussels. Agreed.
1: Um, Agreed, agreed.
2: I I despise the beer. I you know, delirium cafe is something everybody raves about, and I thought it was it was most of the beer was terrible. I mean the inside of the place was fine, but I didn't like any of the beer. I didn't like the vibe of the place. We were supposed to stay a couple nights and we were actually gonna take like a a train to Bruges or Ghent and we we hated it so much that we're like the next day. We were trying to rebook or figure out a way to get back to Amsterdam a day earlier. Um, so we ended up doing blah blah car, which I don't know if either have either of you ever done that or know what it is. I
0: did that from Bremen, Germany to Hamburg because I found a super cheap flight. Uh, where was I going from? I think it was from London. I think I flew from London and it was like26 dollars to fly to Bremen. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I was like, there's got to be a way to get to Hamburg from there because that was my <laughs> ultimate destination. And then I looked it up on... Um, uh, oh, what's the site? I can't think of the name of the site. Google? <laughs> no. Uh, Rome to Rio. That's the name of the site. that uh, shows you like all the different modes of transportation. Okay. And, and Blah Blah Car came up. I was like, what's that? So I got an account and for six euros, I got a car ride with... I, The driver spoke some English. The other two passengers spoke no English. We were just quiet. It was a couple hour drive. It was lovely. Six
2: euros. It was something we had never heard of. And we're like in the hotel. I'm like looking up flights to fly. I'm like, maybe we can fly because we had train tickets for the next day and we could cancel them and they would give us like a 50 percent refund. But to rebook them, it would have been like, you know, 50 euro more. And I'm like that, you know, we already spent like 100 euro on the tickets. And then 50 euro more. I'm not I'm not down with that. We got to be able to find something cheaper. So we're doing like Google flights and all the stuff. And at the bottom, like a suggestion came up, blah, blah, car, 25 U.S. dollars. We're like, what is that? And it's like a long haul, you long haul Uber. Um. So with just random people, though. It's yeah, not- with random people like he's like, hey, I'm driving from here to Amsterdam and I'll pick you up on the way. And so, you never
0: know what you're going to get either. It's not yeah. like that there's these established routes. It's you look it up. And if someone happens to be going by there or going where you want to go, which uh, there's a lot of people that use it, but like you or I, if we had a rental car, we could put in like, yeah, we'll pick up random passengers. Sure. Why not?
2: Yeah. So it was me and my buddy and he picked us up and we had to meet him. We had to take a train to the airport in Brussels and then we didn't have cell service. So he's not showing up. We're like, where is he? What's going on? Did he ditch us? What are we doing? So my buddy's like paying $10 to, to get uh, internet and we're using it and we're trying to like message him and stuff. So we ended up meeting him at the airport uh, parking garage, which was a mess. It took like an hour to figure out where he was and stuff.
0: Mine and was we- a little bit of a mess too. I had to take a, a taxi to like a random street corner away from the airport <laughs> yeah. and the girl, she was 20 or 25 minutes late, but we, again, we couldn't really communicate Cause she was driving
2: and, but when she got there, you know, it was lovely. It was a nice ride. Yeah. That's the thing. My buddy's like, did you, did you ditch us? Like, just let us know. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I don't check my phone when I'm driving. And he's like, don't listen to any of your messages. Then (laughs) forget all those things like that. And then we picked up one other guy and dropped him off on the way. And then he took us, um, to our hotel. We, we ended up booking at the Hilton, the newer Hilton there, which is really nice in, um, Amsterdam. And they have a rooftop bar and he's like, oh, I've never been up there. So we're like, hey, come up. We'll buy you a beer and stuff. So he ended up hanging out with us and having a couple beers and gave us some recommendations because he actually lived in Amsterdam and was flying out of Belgium because it was way cheaper. So he drove like two hours to an airport um, out that way, which was it wasn't even Brussels airport. It was some smaller town and flew to, I think, Croatia or something. So we're Facebook friends now and stuff. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, interesting experience for sure. Brussels is a pass for me. Uh-
1: while you were there in Brussels, Mark, did you happen to go to Cantillon, the brewery? No, nope. It's um, it's I think the only redeeming quality for beer in Brussels. Honestly, uh, it's regularly voted as the top brewery in the world. They do old world uh, lambics and sours, and uh, it was by far the highlight for Sarah and I in Brussels. I think it's the only reason to go back. If you love beer, it's worth a trip to Brussels for cantillon but other than that i agree with you it's a it was a hard uh, pass for me i didn't really enjoy the beer scene there yeah so and neither
0: that, of you liked uh the delirium brews no i did not no at all. that's interesting when i was in uh ruin france i went to a delirium brew pub i i i don't know all i did was drink maybe they had food they probably had food but I went there and had such a good time that actually I left there and then was scheduled to be somewhere else. And I went back to that town to hang out again to see what the rest of the town was like. So I absolutely loved the delirium place there. And I think I tried all the beers that they had.
2: <laughs> no, no, I tried like five or six of them. And I didn't really like any of them. It was bizarre. Cause this was something that had, I had heard from uh, somebody else that we just met at a random bar in Michigan. They're like, "Oh, I love that place. And then when we were in Dublin, we went to this local bar, co- locals bar called the Garage Bar, and it was basically like a garage door that opened. It was a dive bar, and it was like cheap beer. They actually had pitchers and stuff, which was like unheard of in Dublin. Um, so we're hanging out there, and uh, we're talking to the to one of the locals, and he's like, "Yeah, my favorite place. I've been everywhere in Europe. My favorite place is Brussels." So I was super pumped about going there. Like that was, I, I was like, "Amsterdam's gonna be great, but Brussels is where it's at." And we got there and there's beggars everywhere, like people carrying around a two year old begging you for money at two in the morning. And I'm like, what what is going on here? I will say the city center at night is beautiful. If you have like a beer at the the one bar that has like an outdoor patio there, it's pretty cool. But that's about it. Like (laughs) we we did that. We're like, all right, let's go. We're ready to go.
0: I was only there briefly when I was backpacking Europe in college and we stayed with a a girlfriend of one of my fraternity brothers and her mom, and hung out for a couple of nights. And I think it was a different experience because we were basically with a local and she took us around to a variety of places and we had some great food and some great beer, but I didn't see much of the town. Similar to Amsterdam, I've only been there for one night and we went in and we got off the train and someone said, Do you need a hostel? And we were like, Yeah. And they took us to a hostel smack in the middle of the red light district. And we wandered around for the night and in the morning we got up and we were like, we need to get out of this town
3: <laughs> and That's we funny. got on a train. We
0: we had the your rail pass at the time. We went to the train station and we said uh, we need to get we need to get on a train. <laughs> we want to see part of this country other than Amsterdam. And they said, do you want windmills or tulips? And we were like both. And they said, get on this train. And we got on the train. <laughs>
2: That's funny because we were when we were in uh, um, Dublin, like every the everybody eats food so early and we never really adjusted to the time. So we we're wanting to eat and everybody's like, oh, we stopped service already. We stopped service. So we ended up at this um, pizza place and it was like a patchy pizza. It's like a, it's a chain there, but it was it was solid pizza. And We ended up running into two younger girls from New York and they're like, you yeah, know, we go to college in New York City, but we're here all summer. We've just been staying at the hostel because it's cheaper to pay. The 10 euro night to stay at the hostel than to live in new york city so we just came here for the summer to actually save money i was like that's genius and crazy at the same time yeah crazy we
0: had that problem with food uh in french polynesia because the restaurants aren't open unless it's the meal period so they'll be open for like two hours for lunch and then they'll close and then they won't be open until four hours later for dinner and w- we were doing hikes or we would go scuba diving or we would do a variety of things and then we'd be hungry. And our choice was like random stuff from a convenience store. If we could find one open, it was less than desirable, there were several meals that we just missed. And you'd think that we would have learned the first couple of days and like prepared yeah. for that. But we didn't every day. We were like, Oh, it's two o'clock and we want to eat. We can't do that.
2: We, the three of us need to go to Amsterdam though. The, the fact that you only spent one night there, it is. I love Amsterdam. Amsterdam is probably my favorite. Well, my
0: wife tells me all the time that I have to go back, and she's like, oh, the, the culture and the beauty of the city. And I was like, I saw some of the culture. It's not what I was looking
2: oh, for. red light district, but yeah, whatever. But um, she actually
0: did the same thing with her parents because she had spent some time there. She studied in Paris for a semester, and she had spent some time there. And then her parents came over to Europe to visit, and she was like, oh, I'm going to take you to Amsterdam. It's so beautiful. And it was the Queen's birthday that weekend. Oh, so yeah, It was the biggest, craziest party in the whole town. And her parents were like, "Uh, yeah, this isn't what we came to Europe to see.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were
1: told to come back for Queen's party when we were there. I absolutely love Amsterdam from a beer perspective. It's actually when I was in Amsterdam, the last time I sat around and drank Belgian beer the entire time. So... Um, although, I, although I didn't <laughs> Belgian like
2: Belgian <laughs> beers in, in
1: Amsterdam. Exactly. I mean, the, the Belgian beer scene in Amsterdam is so much better than in Brussels and it just blows your mind, but I'm a person that plans trips around beer and I do all of my research and I'm telling you the, the belt, if you like Belgian beers, especially Trappist beers, uh, which is what most people, uh, beer lovers think when they think. Uh, Belgian beers, uh, the the Trappist beer scene is better in Amsterdam than it is in Brussels. Uh, I was not. super
0: impressed with the availability of a wide variety of Belgian beers when I was in France too.
1: Yeah. I, and honestly, I think most of Europe uh, sadly appreciates Belgian beer more than Belgians do. I know uh, segueing back to Cantillon doing the sours, Belgians, they told us on our tour there, Belgians do not enjoy sour beer in the old world lambics. And I I forget the number, but it was something over 90% of their beer from the number one brewery in the world year after year, 90 plus percent of their beer is exported because Belgians won't drink it. Just it's mind blowing.
2: One thing I really liked about Amsterdam um, was that they, you know, they serve the different sizes of beers and normally like in, in the U S when you get a larger beer, you get a better discount. So that's why everybody gets the taller beer. And if you're sitting there having a conversation, it gets warm, you know, or if you're at like a club or something, it, you know, it gets warm over time. And then you're like, oh, I just gotta choke this down. But they have like the different sizes to this, you know, to it where it's like a couple ounces and it goes all the way down, but they charge like the same price no matter what size, like it's divided equally. So everybody there drinks like this tiny shooter of beer that's like one 125 euro. And they're just like, and it's always cold. And the, I'm like, that's genius. Like I love. You just that.
0: keep getting drink. that over and over yeah, and over and over it's and over cold
2: Beer, like every couple minutes, I'm like, hey, give me another one. And it's it, no matter what.
0: I went to a place in Detroit. I was in Michigan for some sort of miles and points meetup, and I had some time in Detroit before my flight. And we went to a place, and they had samplers of beers, and it was like a beer store slash bar. But you could get one out samples. And I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And they were like a buck a piece. And I tried literally every single beer they had on tap because I could get one out samples. And I wasn't driving and I was going to get on a plane. It was wonderful. There you go. Yes. So, Mark, I guess we've run the full gamut of travel. We've talked a little bit about beer. Let's uh, wrap things up here so people aren't listening forever to this episode. I know that uh, you and Derek and I could probably talk for hours and hours and hours, but people probably don't want to hear that. So give us a a quick rundown of where people can find you online, social media handles, websites, whatever, wherever you want people to go. If they have questions for you uh, about uh, flood insurance or, you know, beers in Brussels, the the important things, uh,
2: where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Email me mark at miles to dot com. If you uh, go on the miles to memories website and and comment on, on any of the articles there, I'll get back to you there as well. So plenty of ways to get a hold of me.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you were you were very excited to be guest number one of the relaunch of the show. So I'm glad that we could work this out and get us set. And uh, you may not even know this, but this episode is going to go live on January 1st. So a new year, a new podcast, and uh, you'll get to hear from uh, Mark, Derek, and myself as the new year starts. Thanks
1: so much for being here, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Mark as we did talking to him. When chatting with Mark, You never quite know where the conversation will go, but you can always be sure that we'll include some stories about beer, plenty of travel knowledge, and an abundance of laughs. Today's episode definitely had all of that and more. All of the important points
0: and links for things we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get
0: more Travel and Beer content from us by following at miles and pints on twitter instagram or tiktok you can also stop by our facebook page at
1: facebook.com slash miles and pints and that's all we have for this episode until next time we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel a little bit of beer and a whole lot of fun
3: i